It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Thursday morning, the 18th of May. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. As you know, a young 14-year-old boy has been beaten to a pulp by his school colleagues. I was going to say friends or mates, but really it's other boys in the school with him. They beat this boy to a pub. They kicked him. They punched him uh, and they knocked four of his teeth out. He's had to have hospital treatment and it seems the reason behind this attack is homophobic. They beat this boy up because he is different, because he is gay. Speaking in Reykjavik, uh, the Teachock has reacted to this story as it's been reported and as many of us have seen on social media because a video of the attack has been circulating. Leo Vradker said it was horrifying really and I think everyone could should condemn it utterly. I really want to send my solidarity out to the person who was harmed and injured in this way and I would say to them that life does get better. It is very sad that people experience violence and bullying in school but life does get better and I say not to give up. I understand there is a guard investigation underway and that the victim has been treated for their injuries. I would first of all ask anyone who has information to cooperate with the guard investigation. The Minister for Justice, Simon Harris, has published a statement uh, this morning, a spokesperson for Simon Harris says the minister has spoken to the boy's family and shared his horror at the very brutal attack that the young lad endured. There is an ongoing guarded investigation underway. However, it is clear that the young man suffered significant injuries from a coordinated attack that is unacceptable and should not happen to any person. As I say, that statement from the Minister for Justice, the Coherlock of Meath County Council, Nick Killian, is on the line. Good morning to you, Nick Killian, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. Uh, Undoubtedly, you've seen this video, uh, and indeed, uh, you're looking at this from a a number of perspectives. Good morning, Michael. Um, Look, first of all, can I just send my good wishes, uh, not just on my own behalf, but on behalf of the people of County Mead, this uh, young man, and to his family, who are obviously going through uh, an awful time for what's happened to the boy, but also the trauma that such an attack has brought 
on him so unnecessarily. You know, this was a violence at its very worst. The thuggish behaviour of uh, the uh, perpetrators. I mean, you know, we, we watched things on the radio, or sorry, on the television, war in Ukraine and everything like this, and we see violence. But the violence that I witnessed on this uh, video um, is just awful and unacceptable in this day and age. It was unrelenting, Um, wasn't it? Oh, it was unrelenting. And, you know, uh, there was some chap in the background that tried to call halt near the end. Obviously, the, the the film went dead at that stage for the one of the bits of it I've seen, um, and but you see what I find really disturbing about this is, and I, you know, I, I'm involved in in a lot of a lot of our schools in the county uh, as a member of the board of uh, LMETP and as chair of boards. I tend to find that students um, actually protect. Anybody that's different, be it somebody who's gay, be it somebody who has um, special needs or has a disability. And I find that the vast majority of the students protect uh, these students in their own way. But what happened here, um, ah, there's, there's no words to describe it. Yeah. And I, don't think this would have been, the, I don't think this would have been as unusual or as horrific as it is today, as it was when you and I were going to school, when homophobia was uh, par for the course. Uh, but we've come a long way since then. Same-sex referendum. Uh, all the school kids during that had rainbow profile pictures uh, and so on. Uh, but uh, to see this happening in this day and age with such young children uh, acting so violently against somebody because of their sexuality is pretty much beyond belief. It is beyond belief. And, you know, I have to say all our principals in all our schools in County Mead and the ones that I know, um, you know, it's very much up front within the schools about, you know, homosexuality and about people being gay and their acceptance within the school community. And it's very, it's like it's wide across the acceptance of uh, students uh, that are gay is very much to the fore in our schools. Mm. So it's not something that's hidden away in a corner. It's up front. You go in and you see these lovely posters that the students will do for their various projects or whatever weeks, special weeks of, you know, that they have within the schools during the school year. So this even makes it worse mm. because some of these students, you know, when when I was growing up, we we didn't know about it. That's the truth. We didn't. No. Uh, okay. We had different ideas about it. But we've come through. We've come through legislation, you know. And parents have to take a place here. And you know, I just hope that the um, parents of these students are brought to heel as well as to why their their beloved one, you know. Uh, got caught up in this. So parents have a responsibility every day of the week. We all have a responsibility as parents every day of the week uh, to inculcate into our young people what's right and what's wrong. What happened on Monday in Navan was wrong. And this is not a reflection in any way on the people in Navan, good, bad or indifferent. Mm. And well, What I thought was um, interesting uh, was uh, how quickly and easily and adeptly the boys were fighting. I, I don't know if uh, they're members of boxing clubs or if they're fighting regularly 
Uh, but this was, was clearly something that they had done before, I would have thought, looking at the way they were behaving. You know, I, I don't want to get into, you know, who did what and where, because obviously there's a guard investigation. No, I know on. that, but when you, looked, when you looked at that video, uh, I, 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 I mean, and I'd be surprised if, like me, you didn't think those boys had been fighting before, whether it was street fights or whether they're members of boxing club, but they have thrown punches in the past, it would seem. Well, well, definitely, I suppose I have to say, one of them certainly knew how to throw a box. Uh, that was very clear in, in the video. But, you know, I, I also have to, you know, think about the uh, school involved and, and I have to think about the, the principal and the staff and everybody there and the effect that this will have on the school community because they are also shocked mm. by, by it. And the fact that it happened, it didn't happen on, on, on school grounds, it mm. happened outside of the school itself. And the boy has had life-changing injuries. I mean, to lose four teeth at 14, uh, that means uh, he's lost those teeth for his life. Yeah, and, you know, that's an expensive uh, um, treatment that has to be done with orthodontists mm. and everything like that. But, you know, the school will take its own actions. There'll be strong disciplinary actions taken uh, in relation to this, I have no doubt. Uh, the, the board of the school will have its will take its responsibilities very seriously mm. and will do whatever has to what, be done. What, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because Betty Betty Daly is texting us here saying that the yobs who attacked that lad in Navin should be expelled. Education uh, is wasted yeah. on them and they should be named and shamed. Uh, Wait and see. Their mammies are going uh, to end up backing them and they'll back them up to the hilt and they'll defend their blue-eyed babies who yeah. are in reality monsters. But we, we, we all, you know, you know, might privately s- uh, agree with that, but there has to, due process has to take place. Um, as, as a member of a, a fairly experienced member of a board, uh, I'm only too well aware that we as board members and the board members of, of that particular school will have to do it uh, by the book and will have to take whatever actions are necessary, right up to and, inclu- and including expulsion if that's what the board decides. Mm. Because there has to be an investigation. Uh, it has to be done properly and thoroughly. And uh, as I said, on the one hand, there's a, obviously a Garda investigation going on. And on the second, uh, we have the school itself. And the school will determine and take whatever the appropriate action is on these young people. Will they? Another text. Well, another text from somebody says, LMETB badly needs to examine how they deal with bullying. My child attends Ballymechany College. They've been bullied for over two years. And the school's failure to respond is sickening. We're out, we're, 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 we're out of our minds with the doll, says our caller. Bally McKenney is, I'm not defending in any way, but, but like Bally McKenney is, is uh, not a, an LMETB school. We're, we're partners in the, in the board of the school, all right. Look, bullying is going on all the time. As I said, I sit on boards, and there's not a month that goes by when the principal will bring to the attention of the board bullying incidents that, that happens during, during the school life. Uh, or during the year of the school life. And that happens. It's there. And if the one thing the boards are, they're very conscious of it. We, we get training ourselves uh, as board members. The uh, school staff get training uh, in relation to this. And we're very, very aware. And we take it extremely seriously. Now, there might be people out there this morning listening to you, Michael, and say, no, that's not true. It didn't happen to my uh, son or daughter. But... Uh, I know from 
as a member of the LMETB board and as a member of the board of LMETB schools, how seriously bullying is taken and dealt with. Hmm. And dealt with. Uh, and what like, about fighting? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, as I say, whether uh, some of those 14-year-old boys are members of, of boxing clubs or whether they're uh, street fighting on a regular basis, but they certainly were no strangers to throwing punches, uh, as I said earlier on. Is fighting tolerated by the schools? No, absolutely not. I mean, fighting was not within school. The, the, you know, when you and I were growing up, those, those lads who had a, a go at each other, that does happen. But it's nowadays all of that is reported. It's documented. It's put into the uh, school uh, report system that goes through from the board right through to the LMETB board. So everything is documented. Mm. Everything is uh, taken into account. And that's done with all schools, not just in Mead, yeah. in Louds, and right around the country. So, when you see so many, when you see so many fourteen-year-old schoolboys uh, acting the way that they did, uh, are you concerned uh, that we've uh, a young generation um, of homophobes? No, I, I, I don't actually believe that because I'm only witnessing what I see in other in the schools that I would visit, and what I see is actual kindness. I see students uh, standing up for students who um, are gay and or who have a, a disability or who have special needs. That's all. I, I see genuine kindness from young people, and this is a is a is a small minority who took out and lost the plot on Monday in a way that you and I and the listeners this morning find totally unacceptable. So I find in schools, students, and students, 99.9% mm. of the students are wonderful. They're, they're, they're uh, thoughtful, they're articulate. And, you know, we, we have a system where the um, student councils come and meet the boards and tell us their concerns. So we're interacting, and the, the teachers are interacting every day of the week. And okay. they're, they're, they they know what's going on at the school. You know. Let me just bring some more of the comments if I can. Uh, Nick uh, Claire and Mead says uh, the people who did that cowardly act to that boy should be made to pay for all the work on his teeth if they're underage. Their parents should pay. I take it most of them are around fourteen. Somebody else says monsters. They are very lucky. Uh, it, it wasn't worse than it was. That's a, a listener in Dunleer. Somebody else says on WhatsApp, these lads that carried out the attack on the poor boy need to, to be called out for what they are, absolute scum. Suspension from school is not enough. They must be expelled and held accountable. No excuses. They need to face criminal charges regardless of their age. If they're old enough to carry on like this, they should face serious consequences. Another WhatsApp message then from Margaret, who says it doesn't bear thinking about what happened to that young boy in Navin. God help him and his parents. My question is, where do they see this behaviour? Nine times out of ten, children learn empathy in their own homes from their parents, grandparents and older adults. So questions have to be asked of these parents and I think criminal charges have to be brought against these thugs like a detention centre and community service. Uh, Thanks for that, Margaret. Uh, Is there even any point in bringing criminal charges against 14-year-old boys, Nick? That obviously is going to be a matter for the Gardaí. But but, but what will, I mean, you know, what would be the consequence? Well, we all know what the consequence is. Little or nothing. They're little or not. Yes, yeah. you, you are correct. And we ha- we have um, a juvenile liaison service within. And w- w- one thing I, I would like to say, you know, and 
we have community Gardaí in, in Mead who visit our schools and talk about bullying and talk to the students about what can happen and the consequences of being involved in fights and the consequences of um, attacking people and everything like that. So it's not that the students aren't getting the information. They are getting the information. We have wonderful community guardy in, in mm. County Mead visiting the schools. And I'm, I, I know them and I'm aware of them. And they spend a lot of time, particularly with the first, second and third year old students coming in. And they'll do it again, please God, in September when the mm. kids are back again. So it's not that they're not the children themselves or the students themselves are not unaware of the consequences. They are very much made. And we must also remember that parents sign up to a code of behaviour when they when their child joins the school, which outlines very serious actions that can be taken if their child misbehaves. So parents are very much aware. Now they may choose they may forget that they've signed a document but they have and they may at this point be unaware of it but they need to remind themselves that they have a responsibility for their child in, in their school. Alright, so, well by the looks of it most of our listeners seem to want the children responsible for that horrific attack to be in and, very and, big and, trouble. And that's, yeah. that's fine but I think okay. we, you know, I think we, we've got to think of the young man now as well and his family and you know my heart goes out to them today and, and it goes out to the school involved. Okay, we leave it there. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Nick Killian, Independent Councillor, Chair of Mead County Council, Chair of four primary school boards and uh, member of the LMET board. Michael Reed on LMFM. Minister, uh, last Monday in my constituency office, the 15th of May, uh, I busy constituency office. Uh, I thought I was going in for a normal day. It wasn't a normal day. On four different occasions, Minister, four different people came into my office and threatened to commit suicide. The first person came into my office, got a lethal injection last week in the Lewis Hospital. They kept him alive. The, 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 second, the second person was walking on the streets, no combination, wanted to jump off the bridge. The third person was a lady who, uh, who, who, who was going to be evicted, nowhere to go. She wanted to commit a suicide. And the last one was, was, was a little bit of family dispute. Uh, brothers, two brothers didn't get on together out of the house. Sleeping in the graveyard, people found in the graveyard, he wants to commit suicide. Minister, you go to the Lloyd County Council to do a fantastic job, but they can't look after medical, uh, medical issues. Minister, I, I'm pleading with you. Do you think it's right for people to sleep in graveyards, sleep in parking, or sleep in streets? Minister, this, I've been a TD for the last 12 years. I have never in my life seen things as bad. They come into my consistency office. They think I can get them a house, get them, get, you know, put, put them in hospitals. Minister, we need your government to help these people. I have these four people's phone numbers and contacts, Minister, and I will work close with you. But Minister, my staff, we're finding it nearly impossible to deal with these people. We, we need help, we need training, Minister. Please help us. Thank you. Right, that's Independent TD for Louth, Peter Fitzpatrick, uh, speaking in uh, the Dáil. We're going to speak uh, with uh, Deputy Fitzpatrick in a moment. Uh, but I, I should mention to you before... Uh, we start that conversation uh, that if you have been affected by what you heard or would like to speak to somebody, you can call the Samaritans 24 hours a day on 116123. There is a listening ear there for you, somebody to talk to about your problems, 116123. Peter Fitzpatrick, good morning to you and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. That truly was a, a remarkable experience to meet four people in that situation in just one day. Uh, have you uh, uh, any 
update uh, on how those people were um, because you made your statements in the Dáil. The Minister for Health was listening to what you said. You appealed to the Minister for Health in relation to these cases. Uh, was any forthcoming? Mike, nothing whatsoever. Uh, I, I think it was a complete waste of time uh, talking to, to Minister Donnelly. The, uh, Minister Donnelly came in about five minutes before I made my speech. Uh, Minister Butler, who was the one I was hoping to talk to about the mental health issues, which I will, I will, I will actually speak to today. Minister Donnelly came in and actually he, he just he just wrote from the script and never passed any remarks whatsoever. Michael, first of all, uh, the, the man who got the lethal injection there last week in the Lewis Hospital, uh, he rang me last night at half past ten. Uh, he was in the house with his mum. He was in the house with his two children. Uh, he, he really is trying to change his life. He realised what he'd done last week there, trying to commit suicide was wrong. He, 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 all he, he, he said to me, Peter, please, can you get me help? And I will do my best to get that, to get that young fella help. Uh, second, the person walking the street, uh, uh, there is no combination. Uh, that person is waiting to go into rehab. And uh, his mother was in the media during the week. And the, the mother just, just can't cope with him because of his issues of, and, and drug-related out there. So we're trying to find him a place at the moment, Michael, that for the next six weeks, that if he keeps himself clean, he will be taken into, 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 into rehab. Uh, the, lady, the lady who was, is being evicted there at the moment, is, uh, the landlord wants her, right? The simple reason is that she's paying cash. He can, he can probably get more money. At the moment, there's no show in the house. She has to go outside and actually get a hose to show us that then she's in a serious, serious bad position. Uh, I've been on to Lady Well up there uh, on Dublin Road trying to get her help, and she's coming to my consistency office this morning. Uh, I told her, listen, we'll do our best to help. Like, we're not American workers, and we just try to do our best. And the situation with the man having a family dispute with his, with his, with his brother, the uh, situation there at the moment is the council, the council are, are, doing a, are doing a real best to help out there at the moment. Is, he's been put into a B&B at the moment. Is they found a wee, a wee room from up to Dublin Road, and it's going to take maybe seven to ten days to get it up to date. But in fairness, the, the council are trying their best. See, the situation I have with the local, the, the council, they're doing an absolutely fantastic job. But these, most of these people have mental health issues. And the council, that's not their job to look after people with mental health issues. It's the HSE. And Michael, the worst part of it too, Michael, is uh, and last Friday, I had another man who came into my consistency office with his mother as well. And uh, he's, he's trying to commit suicide. It's getting too. It, 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 it's getting frightening, Michael. It mm. really, really is getting frightening. Uh, and I, I, I think uh, what you've said uh, about the follow-up to the four stories proves, uh, to some extent, that no matter how bad things might seem today, it, it could be a whole, and most likely will be a whole lot brighter tomorrow. Uh, and just to reiterate, if uh, people would like to talk to somebody, the Smartens are there at 116123. Now, Peter, you were making your comments uh, in a debate on local injury units or the minor injuries unit in uh, the Loud County Hospital in Dundalk. Uh, and you were saying that uh, because the hospital had been downgraded, uh, that it's putting extra pressure on the Lords that can't cope. And you were calling for services uh, to be restored to the Louth County Hospital. Would that help with situations like this? Michael, Michael the thing is, that really annoys me is, the facilities up in the Louth County Hospital, and there's that much room for expansion at the moment, is these people have nowhere to go. And, and, and not to, like, like for example, is like, uh, the, the government had, uh, and they got a lot of money there from the EU back there in April 2023, and they invested it there below in uh, in, uh, in 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 the hospital, which is I, I think it's fantastic. The Nina uh, hospital now is it's going to be open tw- 24 hours, seven days a week, 
But like, these, these people are nice times. There's nowhere to go. There's no one to talk to. Like as I said to you, I got a phone call last night at half past nine. These people just need someone to talk to and say, listen, there is a bit of hope. People just want a bit of hope. But the, the, the Lyon County Hospital and the, the NAB and ED, like, we should be increasing these instead of downgrading them as such. The, the Lewis Hospital is doing an absolutely mm. fantastic job. I used to know a programme there before Christmas about 17 clinicians on about the, the safety of, of people in the Lewis Hospital by downgrading. Like, I, I think this, this, to me, would be a major step in the right direction. Uh, we, we do realise uh, the Lyon County Hospital was downgraded in 2010. We do know that it's going to be very, very hard to get an ED back in there. But if we can get a 24-hour facilities that, that families maybe haven't having problems with or with, with someone having mental health issues and that there, there's somewhere to go to. At the moment, they've basically got nowhere to go to. Unless something happens between 9 to 5 on the Monday to Friday, mm. weekends is an absolutely complete waste of time. It's a double whammy, I think you were arguing, in that there's nowhere to go to in Dundalk and you've also made uh, Drogheda all the more busier. It's overrun. Uh, you said that uh, Drogheda became overrun when they closed the emergency department in Dundalk uh, and it's going to become all the more busier if uh, they close the emergency department in Navin. You were appealing to the Minister not to do that. There wasn't a response to that either, was there? No, the uh, Minister Donny had an agenda. He came in, he spoke for 10 minutes, he spoke, he, like, he acknowledged, like, those, that was a two-hour debate. He never acknowledged one speech that, that all the party met together. He just basically came in and just lip service. Now, I, I would have thought a lot more of, of Minister Donnelly. But as I said here, I was hoping that Minister Butler was maybe stay on. And in fairness to Minister Butler, Mike, and we, we had an issue there a few months ago and your programme was involved and about trying to get a young girl a bit of help. And in fairness to Minister Butler's department, she did help. But all people want to do, they're putting their hands up in the air and they're crying for help. And I mean crying, and all we can do, Michael, is, is help. I got a phone call there, Michael, a few weeks ago from, uh, from uh, Tusla, uh, who's the child and family agencies. There's a serious problem in County Lowes about fostering. What's happening at the moment is, during the pandemic, the amount of marriages that broke up in all around the country at the moment is, and families torn to drugs and alcohol, and the people caught in the middle of children. There's, there's, I mean, there's, I won't say hundreds, but there's, there's that many children in County Loud that's looking for foster homes. They're looking for people for, to do short-term, long-term uh, respite. And, uh, and the reason they asked me to go meet them was as, in my capacity as chairperson of the Loud County Board. A lot of these children that's looking for foster families are involved in the local community, involved in sports. And uh, we raised the issue in the, in, our, in the County Board meeting there last week. So there's a, there's a serious issue there with, with fostering. And all this is all coming. Like it, it, it all starts off... Like, the, the, the amount of people that have mental health issues at the moment is, 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 is being unraised. And I'm, I'm pleading your program this morning, Michael. I know what I'm talking about mm. something else. But I'm pleading your program this morning. Families out there, please, there's children, young people in, in, in our community, and we want to keep them in our community. We don't want to send them down to carry of car. We want to keep them in the area. And I'm pleading with people is, whether it's short our emergency, long-term respite, and I'm pleading our people in the community, can you please contact Tesla and please give a child a home, as I said, whether it's a short time or long time. There's a serious increase in demand for for, for, for people at the moment. Okay. This, is only, this is only one of the four lights, Michael. Okay. Michael, like, mm. I, I don't mean to change the conversation, yeah. mm. but your health, your worth of life, and we do, like, like you know, the, Tesla, for them to contact me, Michael, and, and, and ask for the support mm. and organisation to give a hand, 
it means when I see you is Okay, we'll return to that uh, I think in more detail on another occasion but we're out of time for the moment and thank you for your time and for joining us today that's Independent TD for Louth and Eastmead Peter Fitzpatrick and just to reiterate if you uh, have concerns uh, or feeling down uh, in some way and you'd like to speak to somebody the Samaritans are available on 116123 Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. If you think about the way people are sentenced to life in prison or tortured or even executed in other countries because of how they might hold a certain political philosophy or because of their religion, skin colour, ethnicity or their sexual orientation even. Aren't we privileged to live in such a free and democratic country? If you consider that we don't wake up in the morning worrying about tanks and planes, guns and bombs, and if we all get blown to kingdom come, you'd have to agree we are so lucky to live the sheltered lives we are given the privilege of living in this country. So isn't it mad, simply mad, that when people flee from troubled corners of the world and ask the Irish to protect them, the response is sometimes hostile. In Dublin, they've been burning them out of their tents. In Inchon County Clare, they've been stopping them from setting up home. Minister, I was very struck by a photograph taken by Niall Carson, carried in the Irish Daily Mail today. It shows a number of asylum seekers leaving McGowan House and walking along a small country road. The caption says that they're heading back to Dublin. The men aren't lumbered down with lots of heavy bags. They each have small backpacks and a plastic bag. Their only possessions are crammed into those small bags. It's unclear how they intend to get back to Dublin and it's unclear where they will stay once they get there. Given they have now left IPAS accommodation, it's likely that they'll be forced to sleep rough on the streets. Minister, these people have come to this country with nothing and we are failing them. It didn't have to be like this. The manager of McGowan House knew for three months that asylum seekers would be housed there but nobody else was told. The local community was not told, local politicians were not told, not even Clare Immigrant Support Centre, who've been providing outreach services for refugees for more than 30 years, was told. Minister, the government is presiding over an increasingly chaotic response to this crisis. And there are real fears that the shameful and violent scenes we saw in Dublin at the weekend will be repeated. That's the leader of uh, the Social Democrats, Holly Kern, speaking in uh, the Dáil yesterday. We can speak to Fianna Fáil Senator Timmy Dooley, who's on the line now. A very good morning to you, Senator Dooley, and thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, the blockade continues uh, and no sign of a let-up, it, it seems. Yeah, um, and we need to find a way uh, to, 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 to end the blockade. It's very simple to end the blockade, isn't it? It's illegal, isn't it? Well, I don't think it's illegal. I think people have an, have an entitlement to... Uh, block roads. Protest. Well, they're not blocking roads. There's well, they are blocking roads. Well, well, well I, I beg to differ with you, and, and I've been there. There was a level of blockade at a stage, and they did allow... That, that did lift and, and, and they let people through. But they're there and it's not good. It's not good for the local community. It's not good for uh, those uh, refugees, those asylum seekers. And we have to find it. It's very bad for those refugees or asylum seekers. Asylum seekers, I, I think. Uh, but it, it's a very similar message uh, from uh, uh, the, the, to the one that's uh, coming from Dublin. Not in my backyard, isn't it? Yeah, no, 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 no. I accept that. 
And I'm working to try to get this de-escalated. I'm, I'm working to try to get to a situation... Why aren't they arrested and told to clear the roads? Well, you, you, you can't arrest somebody for protesting. For blocking a road? But the point I'm making to you is that they're not blocking the road. People are being let through, so they have... Well... They, 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 they talk to people... But uh, what, what I hear is that politicians and media and locals are being let through. I saw a sign on the television saying local access only, uh, and I, I, I'm of the understanding that they're prepared to stop buses of immigrants getting through. Well, immigrants, refugees, asylum seekers left the facility yesterday and they went back into the facility last night. So, like, let's try to, to, to tone down the language if we can. And that's what I'm trying to do. I don't want to see protests there. I don't want to see anything like a blockade there. That has happened now. And there's a responsibility on me and other public reps to try to get to a situation where we get people to move away from that. Are you ashamed of the, are you ashamed of the people of Inch? But, but Michael, you see... That's fine. I can, I, can, I, can, I can say all those things, but that won't solve the problem. What I need to do is get these people the, from the local community engaged in dialogue and try and get them to, to accept and understand what's happening nationally and internationally. Uh, uh, That's not going to happen over the airways, and it's certainly not going to... Why don't they understand? Uh, I mean, uh, as Holly Kern said there... Uh, their protest is resulting in people leaving, uh, and their fate is to sleep on the streets. Uh, sp- no, to sleep on the streets of Dublin. Let's let's all be honest with each other. Holly Cairns is blaming the government. She's not blaming the local community. And what I have to do, and what others have to do in public life that are representatives from Clare, is to try to get this resolved. Of course, I know it's but, not good. Of but what do you mean? But what do you mean resolved? They just don't want them there. I mean, that's clear. They've been coming up with all sorts of nonsense about sewage and fire service, which has nothing to do and with I them. I haven't. Got, I haven't engaged in that, quite frankly, and I don't yeah. intend to, uh, because uh, and I told the local community mm. that at a public meeting that things like fire starts and storage, they're mechanical issues. They'll be solved. Yeah, and, and, and has nothing to do with happen. the people. They just don't want them there. Uh, I mean, uh, there, are, there are there is a mix across the community. There yeah. are people there for sure who don't want their lives disrupted. They don't want these people here. There's others that would be happy enough to have some, but maybe not the scale that's intended or expected. So there's a, there's a, there's and then there are others in the community who are absolutely, as you've identified, horrified um, and 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 mm. cannot understand why there's any blockade. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the fascists in Dublin with Nazi flags, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the people in Inch with Confederate flags. Yeah, well, I, I need to try to move away from labels and, and like, name-calling from my perspective or expressing sentiments that are, are well-felt and recognised doesn't resolve the problem. I know what's happening needs to stop. I know that, I know my obligations, I know my moral and I know the legal obligations of the state. These individuals who come here seeking our protection and help, I've been to Ukraine, I've been to other Mm. countries, I know where they're coming from. I know, and I remember talking to you and you were very moved by what you saw in Ukraine. And I I still am. But, 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 Hurling abuse at the locals is not going to solve the problem. Well, I, 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 I don't mean to be hurling it. abuse at the locals, well, but I'm, I, 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 are, I'm, I'm shocked and horrified by the way they're treating people who are so vulnerable and, with, and with their I, worldly belongings in a, a plastic bag. Absolutely. And I get that. And, and those images are, are harrowing. They are horrifying. And, and, and we have to get to a point where we can resolve this. And I think that if 
there's a level of good faith between the locals and ourselves, we can try to get a resolution here. I, that's all I can do. I, mm. you, you know, the, like, I have to try to be uh, a broker in the middle to try to bring this to a, to, 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 um, a conclusion. But don't they need, but, I mean, the bottom line is they need to um, realise they need to keep their nose out of it. It's their community and they feel that they need to be uh, involved in the discussion. Now, that's where the issue, that's their issue. It's not my issue, it's not necessarily yours, and I, I think it's not issues for other people outside. But they have fears and concerns. They're their fears and concerns, and they have to be listened to if we're to find a resolution. I mean, if you want to try to get um, a, a problem resolved, you have to talk to people. Um, and, and I find that if you, if, you, if you raise your voice or you dictate or you pontificate at them, which I'm certainly not going to do, all you do is get people more entrenched. I've been mm. there for the last, wasn't there last, I was there for the two nights before. Mm. I visited, I met with, I tried to explain for what the government situation is, what the needs of these people are, and what we should be doing. That's not accepted by some people there. So I have to keep working at it. Mm. But turning my back and walking away and saying yeah. I'm disgusted or I'm whatever, that, that would be me failing. Um, well, the protest or blockade or whatever way you want to describe it is very popular, apparently, with uh, the far right, uh, not just the far right in this country. Uh, some of uh, the stuff has gone viral on the Internet uh, and lots of support from overseas uh, from the yeah. far right for what's happening in Inch. Yeah, and I've tried to explain that to the local community, that the, the, the potential for them to be hijacked. Now, they did... They did push back against those from outside that came in with um, that agenda. Um, they didn't want to be involved in that, and, 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 and hopefully that can continue. But the way through here is to try to de-escalate this, to try to take the steam out of it. Um, I, I accept that this is not a sustainable position, and we have to try now to work with the local community to get them to a point where they don't feel there's a necessity to protest. And I think that's probably through better communication, better understanding of the people that are coming, better understanding of what their needs are, and trying to find a way that they would work with the local community, and that the local community would work with those asylum seekers uh, around having a more harmonious approach within the community, okay. rather than a them and us and shouting the barrier. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm out of time to be. I have to leave it there. But thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning, Finnefall uh, Senator Timmy Dooley. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now we were speaking uh, to Peter Fitzpatrick about the Louth County Hospital had the emergency department closed there, and he says put pressure on uh, the Lords Hospital. And if the same happens in Navan, which is the plan, it'll put even more pressure on Our Lady of Lords in Drogheda. Uh, the same issue was raised in uh, the Dáil yesterday by Sinn Féin TD for Mead West, Johnny Gurk. Once again, the issue I'm going to raise is the future of Navan Hospital and what the reconfiguration means for for the hospital. I would like to thank the staff at Our Lady's Hospital Navan and all hospital staff across the state who work tirelessly for the people. It is absolutely incredible how shabbily and my constituents in Mead West, the doctors, the nurses and other staff and patients of Navan Hospital have been treated by this government. As we debate this motion here this morning, Navan Hospital uh, is under continuing threat of losing the emergency department and the ICU and tackling delays in the emergency department and waiting lists on beds won't improve if we close emergency departments like Navan. As recently as April, in a parliamentary question reply, Minister Donnelly said no decision regarding the HSE proposal for the transition of the emergency department at Navan has been agreed by me or by government. 
I am glad that our hospital and its services remain open. However, the uncertainty that hangs over Navan Hospital is unsustainable and completely unacceptable. Minister, I am sick and tired of having this argument with government every few months who, in their right mind, in 2023, with massive capacity crisis in our health service, would consider shutting down emergency services. If you are saying that current facilities in Navan are unsafe, then it is very simple. Make them safe with investment and resources. Tier 2 hospitals have to be part of the solution of addressing our hospital capacity crisis. This motion calls for an extension of operating hours of medical assessment units and local injury units to 24-7 from the current 12-5 generally to provide an alternative to emergency departments which is available at all times. This would be and should be supported by us all. We need additional resources, not cutting of existing services. Minister, Mead has a population of over 220,000. It is time to get real. The people of Navan and Mead have fought for years to keep service at Our Lady's Hospital. We're not going away, and neither is our hospital. And we, and we need investment to take pressure off other bigger hospitals like Blanchardstown and Drogheda. We need to protect and enhance services in Navan, put the necessary resource in, into it, and no more downgrading of services in Navan. All right, that's uh, Johnny Girk, Sinn Féin TD, and me by speaking in the doll yesterday. Let me come back uh, to some of the comments coming to us uh, this morning. Many people in touch about the attack on that 14-year-old boy in Navan. Somebody says, would you please bring it to the attention of your listeners uh, that uh, two boys related to each other are colours and sure if they're brothers or cousins, but they dragged the tugs off that boy that was being attacked uh, and it could have been a whole lot worse only for them. Well done to those boys. Uh, it's it's nice to hear that and thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, Jerry and Wilkinson says, why is Nick Killian putting the attack and dis- disabled people in the same category? But uh, I will say the so-called students that did this should be jailed for a long time, says uh, Jerry. Thank you uh, indeed for that. Uh. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
as well, Jerry. I think uh, what uh, the councillor was saying is prejudice uh, will result in prejudicial uh, ways uh, that people behave. John says, I have a friend who had a grandson that was bullied for years and the school did nothing. He um, isn't with us anymore. Schools need to take this serious. Thank you indeed uh, for that as well. John. Uh, so many comments coming to us. Uh, let me get through some of the WhatsApp messages. Um, Tom says, God love the poor kids. They all come from broken homes uh, and have nothing to do, the poor lads. Uh, and they're all bored. And it's all the government's fault. At least Tom thinks that's what they're going to say in court in their defence. Uh, somebody else says, it's awful what happened to that young man. Um, the other lads uh, that were there were not uh, involved, uh, should be recognised. Um, or at least somebody is saying that, but I'm sorry, they are involved. Uh, when they were there, they should be named and shamed, and I hope uh, that the young boy pulls through something similar happened to, to my daughter uh, says our caller another WhatsApp message from somebody who says God bless Nick Killian and his innocence I work in a primary school and you should see what's coming in now no empathy fists first constantly watching violent videos and games uh, where they're shooting and fighting uh, in order to get points in the games uh, it's, I don't know why, why we allow that but anyway thanks uh, for making that point Mary says throw them into jail for a few months disgraceful no wonder Ireland has gone mad what will they do when they get older life means nothing to these thugs Stephen Indrada thanks for your text he says when I was going to St Oliver's Community College I was always bullied I was in fear of getting the bus home every day and I had to learn self-defence but what happened to that person was disgusting bullies are bullies they need to be punished for what they did uh, Deirdre says um, uh, that they need to upgrade hospitals. Uh, another text um, then about that uh, attack um, on that boy saying um, really uh, we're all people no matter what our sexual orientation is where do these kids learn all of this stuff well thank you indeed if you have made comment on that this morning you're welcome to continue to comment if you wish to get in touch with us uh, but we will hear some more comments now uh, because this was raised in Shannon Aaron yesterday uh, and uh, there were a number of senators who spoke about it and the disgraceful attack on, on that student uh, it shouldn't have taken place anyway but because of the fact that it seems to be motivated by homophobia uh, makes it uh, even worse and I certainly hope uh, that the school and the Gardaí concerned uh, will take strong action Indeed, that's Fianna Fáil Senator Malcolm Byrne so to, to rise to acknowledge the fact that there is a video going around on social media um, that is absolutely disgusting and shocking and, and the the image of a young person crawling out from having been beaten up is just horrific and while motive uh, may well yet to be established. It is really quite horrific that someone is filming this and egging it on and putting it up on social media. That, that is really, so I, I suppose I would ask that we have, we, we need to have a statement on that. We need to talk about the use of social media and what more we can do as a, as a, a Shannon and as a legislature um, to protect young people. And I know we have the hate crime legislation coming through as well. And that's Fine Gael, Senator and a spokesperson on children for her party. Mary Siri Kearney. It was an, an awful video to see, it really was, that poor child. And I can only hope that the school are taking it extremely seriously. Um, you know, and, I, and my heart goes out to his parents and his uh, community and his family and friends. It just, it's a horrible scene to witness. Uh, thankfully, they are rare enough occurrences, 
but it doesn't mean that it's not a still an issue. And we think we've come a long way in this country, a long, the country is unrecognisable in the last two decades uh, from what it was, but um, that is a horrible scene to have witnessed and certainly discipline uh, and repercussions for those involved are hugely important. And I wish the child well and hope that he's okay. A consensus really, isn't it? Uh, that time we heard from Fianna Fáil Senator Lisa Chambers. Michael Reed on LMFM. Well, there's very little that can be said that is good when we talk about uh, the attack on uh, that 14-year-old boy. Uh, If there is one good thing, though, it is the universal condemnation uh, that we're hearing in the comments coming from you today. And thank you for that. And the outright disgust that you've been expressing on the phones and in your text messages. Let's speak uh, to Colm O'Gorman, uh, well known to you, I'm sure. Colm, uh, a human rights activist and LGBTQI activist. A very good morning to you, Colm. Thank you indeed for joining us on uh, the programme this morning. I, I know you watched that video. I know you were shocked. I know you were disgusted. But you were also disappointed, weren't you? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I you know, I, I was, I was rocked by it to be perfectly honest I thought we'd moved a very long way away from that kind of violence based on these kinds of issues in our schools I mean I, I can remember in gosh, the very late 1970s early 1980s being being beaten up myself in school because of how people perceived me to be people presumed or perceived me to be gay even before I understood or knew what any of that meant and these were peers and I would regularly get a slap or a punch or, you know, teasing or bullying. And it was it was fairly awful, but it was nothing of the scale of savagery and violence that we saw um, in, in Navin on Monday. And, yeah, I was sickened and very upset, actually, by it afterwards. I just, to see that poor child, and we have to remember, we're talking about a 14-year-old boy here. I know he's being referred to as a young man. He's a 14-year-old boy. And anybody who's been a parent knows just how young and vulnerable uh, children are um, at, at that age in, in, in particular. To see him cr- trying to get away and then crawling away from the mob, I understand, to try to get to his grandmother's house. I, I just can't comprehend the savagery and the hate and the brutality that could have led to people uh, to behave like this, other young people uh, to behave like this in yeah, particular. 14-year-olds, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't know. Mm. We know he was mm. 14. It's, yeah. it's likely, you know, given how we understand how young people socialise and congregate, that they would have been around at about the same mm. age. But it's horrific. I mean, uh, one of the things I was thinking about afterwards, Michael, to be honest, was that, you know, it's a it's a really important um, lesson and signal, and one that we have to take very seriously. That mm. we, we can't live in isolation. Yes, this country has moved forward, and we've seen significant progress over the last couple of decades in particular when it comes to LGBT rights and, and other social issues. But we live in a world now where that's not the reality everywhere and there are extraordinary attacks happening on the rights and on the dignity, on the lives and of the physical safety and integrity of LGBTQ people around the world. And that's playing out online in particular and on social media. And young people here in Ireland are, are picking that up. I mean, mm. we've even seen the importation of some of these uh, appalling hateful attitudes uh, here in Ireland. You know, when we when we see people going to libraries and suggesting that books for young people that that explore the young people's, young LGBT people's identity or seek to give them, you know, good information about what it might mean to be LGBT and, and, and to live, to exist in a healthy way in the world, that we see this being, being suggested that it is 
grooming, that it is an attack on children, that it is a risk to children. You know, you're then objectifying LGBTQ people and, and, and demonizing them and portraying them as dangerous and subhuman in some form. There's a direct relationship between that kind of narrative and the kind of violent attack that we saw yesterday and the increasingly violent attacks that we're seeing happening in Ireland over the last number of years. This is not tragically an isolated incident. The fact the youth, the fact that the person was 14 years of age, the fact that it's this kind of savagery, the fact that it was videoed means we're talking about this in a different way. But we're seeing increasing levels of violence being perpetrated against LGBT people in Ireland at the moment. It is directly related the kind of narratives that we're seeing play out uh, internationally. And it's related to the fact that some of those narratives are playing out here in Ireland. And we're seeing this stuff being debated in, in the media. Is it reasonable to remove books from libraries? Is it reasonable to suggest that, that books that simply acknowledge the existence of LGBT people and try to present positively framed information about their existence, about their lives, about their health, about their, their, their relationships, is dangerous mm. or deviant, or uh, uh, grooming of children. I mean, I've even had it myself over the last 24 hours since I responded to this attack with being called a paedophile, with being called all kinds of stuff with a whole load of racist and homophobic stuff coming at me online. Lots of very positive, supportive stuff as usual. But this yeah. narrative needs to be named and challenged and we have to stop permitting debates that question the existence or the, or the dignity of any group of people. We can okay. talk about mm-hmm. anything we want to talk about. All right, I, I, I have to admit, uh, Colm, I'm guilty uh, as a member of the media of hosting one of those debates. I didn't know I was hosting one of those debates when I entered into it. I, I thought uh, I was uh, going to discuss as to whether these books were age-appropriate or, or not. Uh, but because of the conversation, I ended up being called all the names you were called uh, on the Internet uh, as well. And I think there was uh, an anti-Michael Reid campaign on the Internet uh, as a result of it. Uh, but I- I'm just absolutely confused as to why we are where we are. You said that growing up, you were beaten up simply because of the fact that you were gay uh, and probably in around the same age of you as you. I don't think that was uncommon in the 1970s. I think it was probably pretty commonplace. I would have thought it was commonplace, at least relative to today. And I was speaking to the chair of Meath County Council earlier on about young people and my perception of young people. I may be wrong. I'm questioning it now. But I thought going through the same-sex marriage referendum, young people completely accepted uh, people's sexual orientation and had a much better handle on that than our generation did and they all had rainbow colour profile pictures on uh, their internet profiles and all of that sort of thing. Uh, uh, is life in reality different to the one uh, that young people made us believe uh, back during that campaign? I think a, a, a few things on that. First of all, just to say that when I was being beaten and bullied in school, it was because there were presumptions made about who I was. I didn't even know who I was at that stage. So it's not simply that, that kids who are LGBT will be attacked and threatened and subjected to that kind of bullying or harassment or even the kind of vicious violence that we saw yesterday. It's that, that children who are presumed to be in some way different or who might be, who are identified in some way or presumed to be by another person could be subjected to these kinds of attacks. Um on, on the question of uh, do we live in a more open, tolerant society, I think we do. But I think we're at risk now of allowing, um, as I said, debates or, or attitudes creep in, narratives creep in 
that allow people who might have issues around anger, around discontentment, around begrudgery or whatever else, or just underlying bigotry uh, 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 within themselves, to target people because they're being identified in public debates as deviant or dangerous or, or, or problematic. Do I think that the majority of young people in Ireland now are, 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 are open-minded, tolerant, and decent people? Of course I do. The majority of people in Ireland are. But there has been a marked shift. We're now seeing the emboldening of um, and increasing violent, increasing violently acted out uh, behaviour from 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 people who target people simply for being different, whether those people are members of the LGBT community or perceived to be or identified to be, oh. whether they are asylum seekers or whoever they might be, we're starting to normalise the idea that it's okay to debate or to question the the existence of people, or or that we should even tolerate people, never mind respect and celebrate people, which is what I think we should be doing. That it's okay to do that because it's it's all right. We should be able to say or debate anything. Sorry, there are some things that shouldn't be up for debate mm. in a, in a modern decent society, and one of them is the simple fact that people have a right to be who they are, that they they should be treated with dignity, that their rights should be protected, that they should be able to be safe. Sure, have a debate, have a conversation about things, but don't debate people's existence or dignity or rights. We're at a point now where it's regular on social media for, for it to be suggested, for instance, that trans people should not be allowed to exist. Shouldn't, shouldn't be permitted. We should not. The fewer trans people in the world, the better. We're now seeing that, that, that move on in many spaces to, for instance, attacks on something as mm. ridiculous as attacks on drag performances. I mean, drag has... God, even when Ireland was deeply homophobic and homosexual, yeah. was criminalised, you had Mr. Pussy performing on, on stages and on television. Danny LaRue. Danny LaRue and yeah. all of that stuff. Dame Edna Everidge, Lily Savage. Exactly. There's, there's yeah. a really concerted, determined effort to, in an incremental way, begin to stigmatise, yeah. attack and delegitimise people simply for whom they are and then use that to justify attacks on their dignity, on their rights. And we heard from the queens who told us uh, uh, on the programme, we heard from the queens who told us about how their show in Carlow was cancelled because of a small number of homophobic uh, complaints. Uh, It's hard to believe that they would be listened to uh, given the laws that we have, uh, the Equal Status Act, uh, and how that shouldn't have happened, I would have thought, uh, based on uh, the uh, protection of people with on the basis of their sexual orientation or indeed gender. Sure, but I mean, we've now created a space where we're giving extraordinary levels of attention and focus to people who are motivated by prejudice and bigotry. We're therefore normalizing the expression, you know, the verbal expression at the very least, of that bigotry in a way that damages and and inhibits the rights of other people, the people that they're targeting. And the inevitable consequence of that is that, that, that the manifestation of that bigotry will move from the verbal um, um, and, and, and from just harassment and bullying and intimidation to violence. And we've seen that happen over the last couple of years. One of the things that really concerns me, Michael, is that I'm fairly confident that by today nearly every teenager in this country has seen that video. And we really need to think about the impact of seeing a video like that on young people, whoever they are, however they might identify. I mean, imagine a young person who's got questions about their uh, sexuality or gender identity, watching something like that. Imagine a young person who's just different, 
who presents differently in the world, who dyes their hair or does something differently. I remember being beaten up because somebody told me I wasn't standing in masculine enough way when I was 14 years of age. Right? It had nothing to do with whether or not I was gay. I didn't even know at the time mm. because I lived in a world where, you know, there was no, that just didn't manifest. There was no conversation about that. But imagine what it's like for, for, for any young person who is different and who doesn't conform to some narrow view of what it means to be a man, you know, a, 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 a male child or a young man or a young woman, or who just has a different sense of themselves. Mm. Imagine how unsafe the world feels today. And what about young people who are, I don't know, just angry and, and disenchanted in some form, who mm. might be internalizing all of the stuff that they're seeing online that's demonizing uh, uh, people. Some of the biggest homophobes I think Colin it's true to say are people who are gay but can't accept their own sexuality. Do you know what? Hate finds expression and, and people carry around hate and anger and rage and discontent for all kinds of reasons. And we're in a society where we allow people to be targets of hate, where we allow people to be dehumanised and objectified they will become the victims of all kinds of bigotries and hate. Uh, I'm less interested in, in in whether or not somebody who's who's carrying out homophobic attacks might themselves have uh, gay tendencies or not. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. lots of people who, who, do, who do that kind of thing don't. What I am really concerned about is that, that now pretty much every teenager in this country has seen that video. And I think it's really important that parents have conversations with their teenagers and with their uh, young people over the next couple of days and talk to them about that video and what it meant mm-hmm. and ask them how they're feeling about it and how what it's provoked for them, what they're thinking on such of seeing something like that. That conversation is incredibly important. Whatever people do at the national level, and yes, we need leadership, you know, politically and socially, and, you know, people who have yeah. some sort of public profile or voice, myself and others, need to speak out and, and have these conversations. But the really important conversations that need to happen over the next couple of days are the conversations that will happen in the car on the way to school, at the kitchen table during a walk at the weekend or whatever else. And and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I, I think the starting point for that conversation needs to be what is the right side? Uh, because I, I think you can expect a, a lot of young people to think that if they don't side with the thugs, that they're on the wrong side and they're putting themselves in danger. So, uh, I mean, that needs to be challenged, doesn't it? I think if it was me, you know, and, and our kids now are, you know, they're grown up, they're what, 20 six and 24 at this stage but you know if it was me I'd be asking them I'd be having very open conversations with them very asking you know very open questions have you seen the video what did you think how did it make you feel what did it it leave you thinking about let's have a conversation about that and be guided by what they have to say Mm. and of course you know then respond to that in, in in an appropriate and, and respectful way because there will be kids who are frightened now because the world looks a bit a lot more dangerous to them. There are kids who are going to be confused um, about what all of this means. And um, you know one of the one of the I've heard many people say, you know, the poor families of the, the, the kids who carried out these attacks as well, we need to, to think about them. And yeah, I'm I'm concerned for those families uh, as well. Um, but make sure you're not one of those families. Because our children pick up these attitudes. They don't pick them up at home, and that's another whole question. They are picking them up out in the world. Don't presume that anybody is immune to being infected by this kind of hate and to becoming 
a significant part of the problem and to carrying out these kinds of attacks and to be sucked up into being part of a mob. Do not presume that that's not your child. Have a conversation with your children uh, over the coming weeks and, and deal with this. Okay, Colin, really nice to talk to you again and thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Colin O'Gorman, human rights activist and LGBTQI activist. Michael Reed on LMFM. Uh, just a... There's been a universal condemnation of uh, this uh, attack uh, and people expressing uh, their outright disgust at what happened and why it happened and so on. Uh, a text that comes to us from Billy... Uh, who is uh, really uh, way past beyond belief. Billy, please don't text the programme again uh, and uh, maybe uh, look for counselling or something uh, because uh, you've obviously got a a very warped mind, uh, terribly homophobic text that has come to us uh, and uh, we really don't want to hear from you ever, ever again. Thank you. Please. Um, we've a lot of people though who've been in touch with us about that attack and some other issues let me bring you some of uh, the comments coming to us Ellen thank you for your message she says Michael nothing will be done about these bullies they should all be expelled but we'll get the usual excuses from the school mental health coming from problem homes poor young child hope he's okay and so on all that sort of stuff thank you very much uh, indeed uh, for that Ellen um, we have uh, somebody else then saying yes it's an awful thing to have happened to the young boy Colin O'Gorman outraged as he should be talking about platforms to speak out uh, and how he was treated what about um, some of uh, the children who are in institutions no recognition uh, until you're six months old um, it's uh, disgraceful uh, I take it that's uh to do with uh, Magdalene Laundries, uh, I think Colin O'Gorman and many other people would uh, agree with that. Thank you indeed. Uh, Colin O'Gorman uh, certainly campaigned very hard uh, on behalf of uh, people in um, Magdalene Laundries for many years uh, when he was with Amnesty International. Uh, somebody else says, Colin is right. While the mob were cheering on the lads beating a 14-year-old child, the most horrific part of the video was the boy crawling away like an animal would. Those lads have to be sanctioned by the school as they were representing the school because they were in uniform. That's a very interesting point. Thank you indeed uh, for making it too. Uh, Back to um, the situation in Inch and County Clare. Tom says, Michael, I don't agree with uh, the blocking of roads to stop these buses, but if we send the Gardaí in and start arresting Irish people, the problem will get worse and we'll have a a lot more people on the roads. There has been no dialogue whatsoever and that's where the problem lies. The country didn't just wake up one morning and decide to be racist. A lot of people are confusing concern with racism. The government needs to start talking to us the people and stop this pushing back against the people. Thank you Tom. Uh, I think you do make a a very interesting and very valid point um, and thank you indeed uh, for that. Paddy Duffy in touch with us this morning as well. He says we're heading for the perfect storm as a country. The financial crash as a result of uh, the people's retirement plans destroyed 12 years of a government that have absolutely no social conscience, then COVID, uh, people who should be able to buy a home but can't, people who should be renting in social housing who can't, young people who see no future in this country, long waiting list for everything. There are people doing very nicely, thank you, but they are definitely not the majority. 
Thank you. Uh, back to the attack on the 14-year-old, Helen McArdle says, I blame the parents' manners start at home. Yeah, uh, um, it's possible as well, Helen, um, the punching starts at home too. I don't know. Uh, listening to your show this morning, says another caller, I have to say, number one, the thugs that attack people are not always from bad homes. If it is in their heads to do something, they'll do it. The parents of the boy that was attacked on Monday should uh, the parents of the boys that attacked uh, that young boy should be made to pay all of the medical expenses and whatever other expenses need to be paid for the family. is might let uh, parents realise the conse- that there are consequences um, if uh, they have to pay for the problems uh, that their children cause. Thanks to you for that. Uh, I don't have your name, but thanks uh, for sending the text. Margaret, thank you for your text. She says the parents of the Tugs should be made accountable for their children's actions as these boys are probably too young to face any real consequences. Any parent who stands by their child who has done wrong are not doing their job properly. They're only encouraging them to continue to do more wrong, I suppose, Margaret. There has to be severe consequences for this type of thuggery if we're going to stop it. Jerry in Wilkinstown says, Michael, the people of Inch are a total disgrace to themselves and the people of Ireland and an embarrassment to the world. Thank you uh, for that, uh, Jerry, as well. Uh, and thanks to everybody who's been in touch. Uh, we'll be delighted to take more comments if you want to add to what's been said. Our telephone number is 041-983-2000. Text or WhatsApp 086-1800-658. Email michael at lmfm.ie. We're going to return to the doll briefly and some debate that took place yesterday on the recently published survey of sexual uh, abuse. There's no doubt that many of the figures and statistics are shocking. As you will know, the survey covers a range of behaviours from non-contact sexual violence right through to non-consensual sexual intercourse or rape. It tells us a lot. It tells us that 40% of people in Ireland have experienced sexual violence at some stage in their lives, and that for women this rate is 52% and 28% for men. It tells us that 18% of adult women and 3% of adult men have been raped. It's difficult to even comprehend and let alone say it out loud. 18% of adult women and 3% of adult men have been raped. At times it's difficult to read, oftentimes it's sobering. And at times while reading, I think you need to stop for a moment to consider the import of individual results and statistics and the potential reasons behind them. For example, that younger people reported higher levels of sexual violence that 80% of those who experienced sexual violence knew their perpetrator, or that females were more likely to disclose sexual violence than men. Mm, It really is disturbing. That's the Minister for Justice, Simon Harris, speaking in uh, the Dáil yesterday about uh, the survey of sexual uh, abuse and how it has been defined. A key element in being able to understand and to interpret the data is appreciating the range of experiences captured in the term sexual violence. Sexual violence covers any sexual act which takes place without freely given consent or where someone forces or manipulates someone else into unwanted sexual activity. 
It covers experiences that can have a marked or powerful effect on those who experience this in their lifetime. Difficult to listen to the findings of uh, the survey. Minister Hildegard Nocton, uh, who you were listening to there, also spoke about how it would have been difficult for people to participate in the survey. This survey required explicit questions to be asked of participants on very sensitive topics. For those who have not had sexual experience, experience of sexual violence in their lifetime, it may have generated unease. For those who have experienced sexual violence, the topic may have generated fear and distress. It's important to acknowledge the fact that so many people shared their personal experiences in this survey, which has resulted in this important body of work. Now, like Minister Harris, like me, like you perhaps, Minister Nocton was disturbed by the findings. Some of the key points have already been outlined by Minister Harris. One thing is clear, the incidence of sexual violence is very high. The survey also points to worrying experiences of sexual violence during childhood. It shows one in five adults experienced unwanted contact uh, sexual violence as a child and a similar number experienced unwanted non-contact sexual violence. The rate for unwanted contact sexual violence as a child was 25% for women compared with 15% for men. Child sexual violence was experienced by women and men across all age groups, but young women, those aged between 18 and 24, reported the highest levels. For example, unwanted sexual intercourse as a child was reported by 10% of women aged between 18 to 24, compared with 2% of men in this age group. Right. It's a terrible thing. A terrible crime has a terrible impact. There are services. Let's hear a little bit about local services now. Sexual abuse and sexual violence, according to Dundalk's Women's Aid, is often among the last things to be revealed by a woman coming into their service. This is because the bodily integrity of the woman has been violated and is only disclosed when the woman uh, has gained trust in the service and gained confidence in how her other disclosures are dealt with. And I know that, as the research shows, it is not only women that are uh, victims and survivors, but unfortunately um, there are a huge majority that that are. Um, In this research, there is a relatively high level of reporting of sexual violence when it is perpetrated by a stranger, but but far lower when it is done by someone that the woman knows. This is also because it is often perpetrated by a person who is supposed to love and care um, for the victim or the survivor. It is really good that the research is done and publicised. Obviously, it's welcome that the strategy of zero tolerance is being progressed. Um, But this report shows that there is still a huge amount of work that needs to be done. Coercive control including sexual and domestic violence, has a deeply corrosive and eroding effect on victims. So by the time they reach out to seek help, they have suffered it for a long time and often present to um, organisations like Women's Aid asking, is this really abuse? Worrying that is somewhat in their imagination when it is very, very real. Services looking after domestic violence uh, and uh, sexual violence and the victims 
and I'm talking about in my own locality, I'm talking about women's aid, I'm talking about the Rape Crisis Centre Northeast, I'm talking about the work done by Dundalk Counselling uh, Service and, and others. Um, at the moment, the waiting lists uh, are absolutely uh, through the roof. Uh, they are finding it very difficult to deal with the numbers that are coming to them. That's Sinn Féin's Rory Murku. Now, uh, before we go to the break, let me bring you one more comment uh, that has come in to us on email. From Canada, a listener who tells us uh, they were bullied all of their student life from the age of six. Three fellow students in particular bullied our listener. Two of them are now teachers. What hope does any student have of any formative direction from those bullies? Once a bully, always a bully. So I will remain anonymous uh, and sympathies to the young man. Thank you indeed for your email to the programme. Michael Reed on LMFM. The government is at odds, it seems, with uh, some of uh, the government party MEPs over European law, the Nature Restoration Law, which will mean, in effect, that by 2030, 30% of uh, drained peatland uh, will be re-wetted, at least a quarter of it will be re-wetted and that will move up to 70% of drained peatland by 2050. The Fine Gael MEPs, who are a member of the EPP group, will uh, oppose this legislation in the European Parliament and Colin Markey is a Fine Gael MEP and on the line. And a very good morning to you and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, you're at loggerheads uh, with your own party and government. Well, I think the, the proposal, as we see it, is not really fit for purpose. I think the most important thing to say, I think, is if you talk to farmers on the ground and people involved in agriculture, they're in favour of nature restoration, they're in t- favour of protecting the environment, but they just feel that the approach is wrong. That this is, if you if you legislate for this in this mm. way... And you agree with them, but the government doesn't. It would appear that they, well, we see that there's a better way to do this. There's a way in which you can work with farmers that you can, if you like, support or incentivize a carrot rather than a stick. And I think if you look at the scenario where basically you have two choices, you can legislate for this and force people down a certain road which they may not mm. want to go. Or you can create an incentive-based system through the like of carbon farming where not only is it that you can use money to make this happen, but not even necessarily public money. You can create a system where, let's say, private companies want to offset their responsibilities for it's the sequester carbon. By so doing, they can, mm. they can pay farmers to sequester the carbon on their lands. And this is the approach. Surely an approach that involves a carrot, incentivising people, encouraging people to do for what, they, what they're prepared to, to cooperate with. OK, but Fine Gael disagrees with you. Uh, what do they make in Fine Gael of you and your Fine Gael colleagues in the European Parliament going out to undermine and challenge government policy in Europe? I don't, I don't, it hasn't come to that essentially. Like ultimately, this is at European level. There's an agreement being discussed at European level, and that in due course will then become something that will have to be agreed at national level. So, f- what is it like? We're going out at European levels trying to create a framework that will work effectively. I think what we're trying to get is a practical system that will work in the interest of everyone. The most important thing here is about protecting the environment and the way in which you can do that effectively. And I think what we want to do is, at European level, firstly, to create a structure and an environment that this whole scenario can work effectively. The current situation, frankly, we don't believe it's fit for purpose. I think if you're just listening to the ads that were coming on just before we started, there's a lot of 
ambiguity as well. There's really no definition of what rewetting actually looks like. The, the emissions f- factors, the emission figures are being questioned by, by a number of different sources. What land actually is peatland and what isn't? There's, there's a lot of grey areas in this that haven't, that haven't yet been, been covered off. Yeah. But most importantly, a system, we've seen it so many times before, if you force people down a certain road, they won't do it with a good will. Do you, do you not feel that you're embarrassing the government by undermining policy this way? I think we're looking for the best way forward and the most practical... Do you not think that's an embarrassment to your party and to the government it's a member of? I don't necessarily see it that way because the bottom line is the, the government will deal, in due course, the government will deal with legislation that's, that's if you like, be it laws or directives that are, are provided from mm. Europe. And at that stage, it becomes a political issue at government level. The reality is... What we're doing is we're looking at it from a European perspective and putting the best system in place. Well, you're being whipped, aren't you, by the EPP, the group that you're a member of? Is the EPP whip one that supersedes the Fine Gael whip? Not particularly, because in, in the EPP, uh, there's a lot more flexibility. It doesn't look work a whip system like we do here in Ireland. So people have a, a certain amount of discretion. But I think people are making the choice of their own free will that they feel there's a better way, a better approach, a more practical approach that will ultimately get the result. And I think this is what we want. We want a system that's going to work, that does protect nature, that does work in conjunction with nature and in conjunction with farmers. Because ultimately, I think the people that are closest to nature and the people who depend on nature more than anybody are the farmers. And the frustrating thing about this is most farmers, when you talk to them on the ground, they really want to be part of this. They want to play their part. Yeah, but they don't want to re-wet their farms. They want to work in conjunction with nature and they want to do it in a way that makes sense. And the problem has, like, for instance... Does that mean that... that, But (laughs) I think you're agreeing, aren't you? They don't want to re-wet their farms. Regardless of that, whether that's working with nature and promoting biodiversity. The reality is some farmers are more than happy to re-wet their farms, but others may not. And, to, and if, if we incentivise those who are interested, we, may be, we, we should be able to achieve our targets. But you have to recognise that... It's all about how much will be paid, is it? It's not all about how much will be paid. How much will be... Like, if, if you ask a farmer to stop doing what it's doing and do something else, then surely there's an element of compensation required towards that. And I think that's, that's in, in the farmer's interest, but I think it's in the environment's interest. And so, ultimately, mm. it, it, the one thing with this, it's not necessary. we're not talking about public money here. We're not talking about the taxpayer paying, and that's the beauty of this, this scenario. It allows, let's say, the industry to offset their carbon responsibilities by... There's other sectors they can do it through too, but they can pay for verified carbon sequestration in the ground. So basically, if you can prove legitimately through science that mm. the ton of carbon that was in the atmosphere is now locked up in your soil, you can get rewarded. But we are talking about public money that would compensate farmers, are we not? And is this a negotiating tactic? No, no, there, there's, there, there may be an element of public money involved, but there's also the potential to create a structure whereby private sector funds, be it industry, be it, mm. let's say, food processing industry for one, but equally other sectors can offset their responsibilities, can pay essentially for the hard-to-abate mm. sector, like the aviation sector, for instance. Who like like buying people. carbon credits, I suppose, but that'll go, that, that'll go to the exchequer and then be given to the farmers. And, I mean, essentially it is public money. No, no, no it's not public money. The, the mm. reality is... But is this a negotiating tactic, regardless of where the money comes from? Is it not a question of how much the farmers get? 
No, it's not. It's about what is the most effective way in which we can protect our environment. It's in everybody's interest that we protect the environment. It's not, I don't see this, uh, like ultimately the, the, the sort of figures you're talking about aren't going to make anybody rich, but they are going to offset the cost or the, the burden that farmers will have in terms of transitioning to this. And I think it's it's more about a finding a system that works that gets a cooperation and a goodwill and if you okay. get goodwill you can make it happen Colin, I, genu- I, I genuinely believe that it's in the interest of the environment and in everyone's interest that we create a system that people buy into rather than we get into we've seen it so many times okay before. I'm over time Colm I'm sorry I have to leave it there but thank you very much indeed uh, time has got the better of us uh, but thank you as I say for joining us Colm Markey Finnegale MEP brings our programme to its conclusion Maggie McGuire Research Today Chris Murray was in the control tower. I'm Michael. And God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie.